What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 232 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Leon White. You might remember Leon White from last episode, 231, where we dove into his life, his experiences traveling, his YouTube channel, The Curious World of I, and his coaching service, Leon White Coaching. However, this time I brought Leon back because we connected in such a cool way on the last episode that I wanted to bring him back on and have a, just a normal conversation with him. In fact, turn over the microphone to him, let him ask me a few questions, and we just went back and forth and I think had a really cool conversation that at one point, I think we got to a place where we really started to peel back the layers of what could potentially be holding myself back within all the things I've been aspiring to achieve over the years and possibly the thing that holds many of you back as you try to strive and achieve the hopes and dreams that you have for yourself, your family. Now, it's not the answer for everybody, but I think for those who have a listen, then dig deep into their own life, it's definitely a solid foundation to start from. And building off of that can definitely take you a lot farther in life and where you want to get to in life. So thank you again for joining me and Leon today. Just want to give a big shout out to everybody who stepped up over the years and tried to help me push Misfits and Rejects into the next level, into the next realm. Over the last few months, I've had the pleasure of working with a really nice lady by the name of Sarah. She took the last two to three months to help me try to pitch Misfits and Rejects to various different production companies. And it was just so nice of her to reach out, offer her help for free was invaluable for me to get to hear her thoughts, her approach. So Sarah, if you're listening, thank you again so much. I do appreciate you and I will continue to push forward. So with that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with your host Chapin and Leon White. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm rejoined by Leon White from episode 231. You might remember him as the YouTuber from The Curious World of I or Leon White Coaching from that last episode we shared together. And today, we are here just to bring you a conversation between two men thinking about life, thinking about their futures, thinking about whatever's going on in our heads today. And I've decided to let Leon kick it off. So Leon, please, by all means, welcome to the show and, and let's do this. Yeah. Thanks for having me again, Chapin. It was a blast last time that we were on the podcast together. And uh, this is very interesting for somebody that uh, is very communicative. I like talking to people, especially people with common interests and um, different experiences and walks of life. So it's, it's a pleasure to be here to speak to you. Yeah, brother, it is for me as well. I definitely feel like there's a, a kindred connection between us just through the natural flow of things in our last conversation, as well as just what I identified with when I did find you on YouTube um, yeah. in the Curious World of I. There was just something that you were admitting that I was drawn to. I think many people are drawn to. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, by all means, get over there. Um, he definitely delves into some subject matter that 
he articulates clearly and understandably that I think is powerful. And uh, that for me is something that is hard to find these days. You know, somebody who's as open as you are in the things that you're going through in life and authentic, transparent. Um, I really respect that about you, Leon. And uh, thank you for being who you are. Yeah, thank you. So, um, so yeah, for sure. I, I definitely appreciate that in terms of just trying to be a genuine person, especially now where it's almost like many, especially with this idea of this metaverse thing coming into play. It's like so many people living in sort of alternate realities, like they're watching different movies. And and um, I'm realizing how much of just being authentic uh, can get you a long way nowadays, where maybe before you kind of had to play the game, but it seems like nowadays people just want, they just want to catch straight to the chase and, and get to the real of the matter um, in terms of knowing who people are and sharing a little bit of yourself and being vulnerable uh, in a time where I think a lot of people are going through so much. Um, we're still kind of living in this post-pandemic world. Um, the economy seems to be fluctuating. People have lost jobs. People can't find. It's just a whole lot of inflation, all these different things. And um, and I work with the public, so I hear different stories. And I can definitely feel that there's a general understanding where people are kind of, you know, some are struggling, some aren't. But being genuine is definitely something that... Um, I strive to do, especially when I do things like this. So, but today I wanted to get to know a little bit more about you. Now, um, to your listeners that have probably been with you for a long time, I know that they probably have heard episode 10, where you kind of introduce yourself and why you started this podcast, which is a great episode. And then also the episode before mine, which is episode 230. 230, man. Wow. That's dedication. <laughs> Thank you. And um, and I realized that when we spoke the first time, I didn't really know much about you. Um, so I didn't really know what to ask you. And I didn't even think because this is my first time on a podcast, that first episode. So it was kind of cool. Somebody asking me questions about things that I've always wanted to share with people. So today I definitely wanted to just have a two way conversation man, and ask you some questions. And, you know, we can go from there, as you said, just to to uh, men just communicating, talking. You know, Sounds communication great. saves a nation. Let's so, um, so I know that you said you're from Southern California, man. And I've been to California, not specifically Southern California. And everybody I meet from California seems to be jaded in terms of uh, there's some people who, yeah, they got tired of California. As you know, there's like a mass exodus. People are moving to Texas or even where I'm from, North Carolina. But um, what is it like growing up in California? I think it is divided and you have Northern and Southern and Central California. I think value systems change over those lines. And for me growing up in Southern California, being around and so close to Hollywood, that definitely infiltrates our social circles, our family units, our perception of the world. And this is obviously my own opinion, but I think that it has corroded a lot of the value systems in Southern California where individuals who come from places like the East Coast, Middle America, who coming for whatever reason to Southern California to live the dream have all commented on that and how that 
no matter who you are and how strong of a support system you had back home and the values that you shared with those individuals back home, California in some ways corroded or corrupted that in the sense that like you start valuing your social status more than just being a good person. You start valuing um, how you're perceived by other people more than they might have coming from wherever they came from. So somebody who grew up in it, you know, I probably don't see it as much as somebody from the outside who's coming in sees it, but I definitely feel it within myself and growing up as, you know, very insecure man, insecure boy, wanting to be something that I perceived as what I should become was difficult. And I can't say that I grew up in a, you know, in a family or an environment that was impoverished or left me without opportunities. I had all that. It was great in so many ways, but yet I still felt that there was something lacking. I was not Uh connecting with the environment that I grew up in, which I think drove me to seek out other places that I felt comfortable and I felt connected to individuals. And I do have good friends here. I have found groups of people and individuals that I can connect with, share the same values. But in general, Southern California for me is not a place that I feel at home in. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because California, you know, especially L.A. or you're at Venice Beach, you know, L.A. could be a place or California. I know most people when think California, they think L.A. Uh, it could definitely be a place that could bring out some insecurities. I mean, there's just wealthy people, there's celebrities, there's, you know, dudes that are buff and girls with these like perfect bodies. It's, it's a very surface level place. And in fact, I have a friend that recently moved there. I think he's coming up on his one year. He moved to L.A. and um, talking to him, being from the East Coast, he's definitely, you know, um, where you have this kind of image of a place in your head then you kind of get there and he's he's also having his realizations of like man like oh this is what LA is about and and he's also said similar to what you said where when he meets people he he doesn't feel like it's a genuine thing it's kind of like what can you do for me kind of thing you know what I mean and and because everybody in in a degree in terms of at least LA Mm -hmm. um you know seems like they're all trying to get someplace uh, nobody just moves to LA you know unless you know the weather and all the other things amenities that LA has that many other uh, states don't have and so in terms of you wanting to leave to these other places also just being well traveled and I'm pretty sure with you leaving and then coming back to Southern California I'm pretty sure there's some reverse culture shock where you see things a little bit differently then when you grow up, have you ever had that experience or what kind of experience do you have when you travel and then come back to California? Absolutely. And I did watch one of your videos where you and your friends who had, you traveled with for that year together talked about that, that I've called it repatriation. I don't know if that directly um, defines what we feel as just travelers coming back to our place of birth, but I know it definitely refers to people who have spent time away for wars, for military service, and coming back and trying to repatriate into society, into their culture. And from the first time I left home for a significant amount of time to coming back and, and trying to reconnect with my friends and family, it was difficult. And it didn't get easier for many years. I had to really develop a system that I knew I could 
apply to coming home and and allowing myself time to just get back into the flow of the fast-paced nature of Southern California, the traffic, the way people speak very quickly. For me, the strategy was not driving. It was riding my bicycle everywhere, walking. That allowed me to slowly kind of integrate back into society here and feel less of an outsider and kind of maintain what I found on the road, which is this a very calm, cool sort of experience where I, I didn't feel pressured to do or be something that I didn't really want to be and do things I didn't really want to do. Uh, yeah, it's it's always been difficult for me. But like I said, over the years, I've developed a strategy that's really worked for me. See, yeah, man, that's where I'm at right now. You know, coming back home from my travel experience, for those that didn't listen to um, the podcast previous to this one where I was on, um, I backpacked for 14 months across Europe, uh, Panama and South America. And now that I'm back home, I'm living on my own. I'm, you know, got a, a quote unquote nine to five job. And it's kind of like, like, man, you know what I mean? And for some people, that's all they know. But I've, had, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have that kind of experience to know, like, yeah, there's a little bit more out there to life and there's people who are doing really amazing things with their life other than kind of working this roundabout job. And I get it, you know, people have responsibilities, but you know, for the young people or people out there that don't have a responsibility to a family, but um, have never really adventured outside of, you know, the 50 mile radius of where they're from, you know, they don't really know what's out there. And so, yeah, I can definitely agree with that. It's definitely harder. Um, reverse culture shock and reintegrating back home has always been very much more difficult for me. But I know that you mentioned how, you know, that Southern California didn't really feel like home. So it kind of instilled in you to kind of want to venture out elsewhere. And part of that ties into your, uh, your podcast, which is you interviewing people who who are interested in building these artistic creative lifestyles outside of maybe the United States as an expat or a, living a nomadic lifestyle or just this digital nomad where they're like in the, they're independent of their location. And so when you kind of think about that, um, when you're traveling, kind of what is your vision? You talk a lot in podcasts. 10 about you, this life you want to create and, you know what is that life that you're trying to create or actively creating as we as we speak now for me the vision has always been the ability to move freely as i desire without restraints of a job without restraints of a family without restraints of a financial situation that doesn't allow me to say buy a a plane ticket a, a boat ticket, a, a bus ticket, you know, I get that there'll probably be times where flying across the ocean to get home, I might find myself and I have found myself in financial straits that I couldn't afford that, which was extremely depressing. So ultimately, my vision is to have that freedom to move at will when I want at the drop of a hat. And not necessarily in a luxury, luxurious way, I don't need to be flying first class, but I, just, I would like to be able to buy that ticket home if my family needs me. I would be able to like to buy that ticket or jump on that bus out of a, a city that I'm burnt out on being on or being in, utilizing 
a cash flow from a business that I've started online. That's the dream. That's the hope. And no, if it, it, just, okay. to, just to add, if, if it's not through an online business or an online entrepreneurial venture, then I'm, I'm looking in different avenues, such as trying to turn this podcast into a Netflix series or something like that, which allows me to travel, do what I lo- love, which is talking to people like you and, and filming how you live your life, why you do what you do, and what motivated you to take that first step out of that comfort zone and into the world. So it almost sounds like that's safe to say, like, man, that's kind of like your vision of success. Like you having that kind of online business where you can like create and generate revenue where you don't have to go to a specific location every day, which gives you that freedom to basically travel wherever you want, kind of whenever, whenever you want and do the things that most excite you. Exactly. And I guess if you look at what I've done with this podcast and the individuals I've interviewed are all individuals who, or many have accomplished that episodes, you know, 100 to 200 is 99% digital nomads. And me desiring to interview them is me trying to motivate myself and get creative and get inspired to figure out that thing that's going to allow me that freedom. Thus far, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And, you know, when you say that, it's interesting, right? For people like me and you, many of your listeners and many of the people that you've had on this podcast, because there are many of us um, who have family members and friends and you see these people that are really putting their roots down in one place, right? And having families, I'm, I'm, I'm 28, so I'm at that age now. Some of my friends are having their first children. Mm. Some of my friends are getting married. And, um, but here I am, I'm like, man, man, I'm, I'm trying to go to Bali, you know what I'm saying? And stay out there for three months, or I'm trying to go here and I'm trying to do that. And what I found interesting when I was traveling and talking to these people who kind of want the same kind of lifestyle is, um, you never get to the, get to the root of like, why do they want this? You know, so why, why do they want this, this freedom? Why do they want this? level of flexibility in life so i mean i'd like to ask you that and and, you know if if you have the answer if you don't you know it's okay but like what do you think kind of motivated you to want that kind of lifestyle i think the motivation came from an early age in that i enjoyed the places that i was privileged enough to get to Mm -hmm. with my family for example we got to go to hawaii for a few years in a row and that really inspired me to want to live there and then as i got older and i started developing more of a a thirst for adventure and desire to experience new things and my closest friend john who also was extremely adventurous was starting to take bigger risks and in the sense of whatever a risk is and and go to far off places and live for a year like he did in Costa Rica when we were like 18. That motivated me to go visit him. And then when I did that, the whole world just opened up to me in a way that I had not expected. The dream of moving to Hawaii was like not even a dream anymore. In the, it was just, it was too easy. You know, it's like I wanted to challenge myself with living abroad in a third world country for a year or just living abroad for a year. And then once I did that, I was like, well, I want more. It became an addiction. I guess mm-hmm. is if we if I were to answer really honestly, 
I am addicted to this life. I think it's a healthy addiction. I've seen it become unhealthy in mm-hmm. individuals. I mean, it's, I've even had it become unhealthy for myself in certain situations. And it's, I think it is a legitimate addiction where I desire more. I want more. I want more freedom. I want more mobility, flexibility. I, in, for me, it's again, it's not jumping on first class flights. Like if I'm living in Vietnam for $300 a month, I want to have $400 a month. So once a year I can be mobile, you know, I can jump on a flight or $500 a month, you know? Yeah. There's something about that. The individuals I'm connecting with within these cultures at that level, that is extremely exhilarating to me and exciting Yeah, to walk into their home, share a meal, share a drink. Even though we don't share the same language, I feel so at home and find those experiences so fulfilling it's an addiction yeah man it can definitely traveling can be an addiction you know they call it the travel bug you know Mm -hmm. once you once it bites you it never really goes away that adventurous spirit especially for those of us that live with a high level of openness to want to get to know other cultures to immerse ourselves in places where we quite don't understand that challenge of How do I maneuver in a country where people don't speak my language? But on the other hand, I like how you mentioned, you know, how you've seen how this sort of lifestyle can have a negative aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when I talk to people about this nomadic lifestyle that I once lived when I was backpacking and these sort of things, and I meet individuals who've been on the road for two years and longer, you know what I mean? And when I talk to people here about, you know, when you're traveling, it's it's nice, but it's it's a lifestyle. It's not vacation. You know what I mean? Like you're, I'm not going to Jamaica and sipping pina coladas on the beach all day of my life. Like, no, I'm sometimes I'm taking a kumbi or one of them chicken buses or I'm staying in a hostel and or sometimes I'm sick or, you know, people get robbed. I mean, it, it, it's a whole thing to it. And so when you talk about the kind of negative uh aspect of it you know kind of elaborate on that because a lot of people think it's just sunshine and rainbows when you're abroad for x amount of months living that nomadic lifestyle absolutely and like you said it's a lifestyle it's it's a way in which we we have a routine it's it's not necessarily even if you are up and moving every three weeks that becomes a part of your routine and you have a way in which you execute that on a day to day. And it's like you said, it's not just, it's not just sit, sipping pina coladas all day on the beach in Jamaica. You'll run out of money real quick. Yeah. You have to become creative and you have to be able to figure out ways to sustain it. So for a lot of digital mm-hmm. nomads, that's online entrepreneurship, but the pitfalls for, for individuals who don't say have, have income coming in while they're traveling. They've usually saved up a chunk of change. I've known people who've saved up like myself for my first big trip. I had $3,000. I've known other people who have saved up to go for a year like I did, $20,000, $30,000. They and myself have maneuvered around the world and encountered moments where you you might be drinking too much, taking too much drugs idle hands, you know, they say like too much freedom without like the sort of regimented routine can lead you to doing things you wouldn't normally do excessively. Um, 
there's as many of us know there's you know uh sex tourism around the world so you you drop yourself in say thailand with a chunk of change and you have two weeks like you can be and or if with twenty seven thousand dollars they're going to be there for a year and you don't have anything else to do you can find yourself in a lot of brothels you know yeah and it takes somebody i think who knows what they want to get out of the experience and how long they really want to do it for to really start setting up those healthy routines, those healthy boundaries to navigate that lifestyle in a way that they don't fall into some of those, those pitfalls of just having too much time, too much freedom and too much money in places where your money goes a very long way. So yeah, just specifically for me, I guess I found myself at one point in Nicaragua with a lot of time on my hands as I was transitioning out of you know one enterprise to another connecting with you know the social scene quite a bit and definitely drinking way too much you know not necessarily having something i needed to do except for doing what i want to do which was surf all day and socialize all night and i didn't it didn't turn into a problem where i was having to wake up and and drink a bottle of vodka to, to stem the shakes but it's like yeah. it's it's a social activity that is unavoidable and unless mm. you create a healthy habit of not doing it every single night it's an every single night or every single day kind of routine and that's that's one of many things that i think i see a lot of people fall into and burn out super quick Mm -hmm. i've always had these sort of like time frames in which i can't predict but i say like you know most males will last like two three maybe five years giving this lifestyle a go and many many will like spiral out of control into drugs alcohol or sex and have to go home because they've lost all their money. That's common. You see that all the time. Mm-hmm. Females, I've observed the lifestyle in these type of countries is great, but there's certain luxuries that the first world affords that they prefer. You know, cold showers, hard water, it just affects them in a way that they usually prefer to find or go back to where they come from if it's a first world country. And and re- and live in that type of like, not luxury, but those they prefer those types of conveniences. Yeah, and there's tons of exceptions to those observations that I've made, but that's one that I've gone through. Where just it was just parting way too much and not having a clear goal of what I was trying to achieve. Yeah, and and I find in my experience of living that lifestyle and listening to other people who also have lived this lifestyle and talking about it, that does not get talked about a, a lot. You know, um, you know, I've seen women that have to go home because they got pregnant. You know, you're meeting all these beautiful foreign people from all the world, you know, everybody's adults, things happen, you know. And as you mentioned, there's drugs, there's all sort of things. It's like a constant party. And there were times even in my travel where I'm like, man, when's the last time did I drink water? You know what I mean? Because it's like a constant, especially if you're living in, a, if, especially if you're in a party hostel, you know, and, and, and that's kind of why I asked you about the why, because sometimes one thing that I notice is that when people are traveling and doing these things, what's the situation back home? You know, are, are they out here? Cause they're, they're not saying this is everybody. Some people just, you know, like you said, People come from great backgrounds and great home situations, but what's I mean, I mean, I've met tons of 
kids and people who are in their young 20s that come from very wealthy families. And, you know, when you have a couple of drinks with them, you know, it starts to come out, you know, my man, you know, my dad and, you know, they don't have too nice words to say about their dad. And, you know, you, you, you kind of run into all these different kind of scenarios that doesn't really get talked about. And I think it, it should be because you're talking about young adults sometimes and some of them do save up their money and, you know, the currency exchange is different where your money stretches a lot longer and you kind of find yourself kind of, as you said, that that ultimate freedom, which makes me wonder. And, you know, I ask you this question. Do you feel like there's a such thing as too much freedom? I've contemplated that a lot. And I think, yes, there is. But it's not it's not necessarily something that you can generalize. I think it's something that you can't generally say that too much freedom is bad for everybody. But on the individual level there are thresholds of freedom that you see people spin out of control once given once it's given to them and so it just takes an individual to find out when when they're getting close to that threshold and either pull it back or find a way to cope with it a little bit better yeah and that's where discipline comes in i forgot there's like a philosopher that said like uh a, a like i'm paraphrasing here it was basically saying like a, a horrible life is an undisciplined life where you don't have any sort of disciplines. And, um, but yeah, man, I think that's something that definitely needs to be talked about more within the travel community because I, I've, even when I was studying abroad, there were kids that would, were dropping like flies because they just got caught into the partying, especially in places like Peru where cocaine is just everywhere. It's made there. So, and, and, I've seen, you know, I've seen those things where things just go overboard and people have to go home. Um, So definitely, I would also have to say to many people, even though myself, when I left home, I had just lost my mom. So yeah, part of traveling was also me grieving. And I had to be aware of that in terms of all these luxuries around me and how those things manifested themselves around me. But I also would have to say to people who are thinking about living this lifestyle, you know, think about why do you want to live this lifestyle, you know, and make sure it's coming from a good place because you might get into these environments and it's a nonstop party and you find yourself kind of going down the chaos. But to kind of backtrack uh, in terms of your why, it kind of all started with you being exposed to these other things like trips to Hawaii with your family and so forth. And I think exposure is key. I, I really hate that in our school systems now they are getting rid of field trips because introducing a child to something that they would have otherwise never been exposed to can be life-changing in many ways and for me same thing my mother was Panamanian so once a year or once every two years we flew to Panama and I saw a completely different lifestyle and I remember sitting at the window, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. You know, as I grew older, at the, looking out that window, like, wow, it's a whole world out here. I'm a global citizen. It's not just the United States or the little neighborhood that I came come from. It's a whole world, and that inspired me to like, hmm, you know, I want to see what what the world has to offer. But one story in particular that you spoke about in episode 10, where you kind of gave your backstory was your trip to France. 
and you went to the the Louvre and to my French your French listeners and my French friends I know I probably pronounced that wrong they have a they have a eclectic way of saying it but to us Americans the Louvre and you talked about this profound experience that came over you through being exposed to that artwork and those things you know talk a little bit about that experience that initial experience when you're and what was it about that artwork that just kind of projected or sparked that experience for you i think it was a combination of a lot of things i think i had been on the road with my family for like three weeks and i was out of the you know the high school party routine with my friends so Mm -hmm. my head was pretty clear i was in a culture that i was very attracted to european culture in general france is a beautiful place and i was at a moment in time in a in a museum that had was just chock full of so much history and so much art and to be honest like the historical art isn't as interesting to me as contemporary art but for whatever reason in that moment something came over me a, a tremendous calm a tremendous presence a tremendous connection to that beauty that i had never felt or seen before and it's relatable to if any athletes listening finding that flow state that you can find within a game or um, they call it being in the zone. For example, it's, it's being so present that you can almost anticipate the moves of your opponent in a way that like you're there before they even get there. Yes. That's what that moment felt like to draw upon something similar. And I had had enough experience with, being in flow states through athletics that I I felt like this was significant. And again, just being in the place I was in the state of mind that I was, I could see that it was an opportunity to hold on to and not just let go of. So I went, I allowed it to flow through me. I went through the Louvre with my father for like five more hours, just absorbing it. And that feeling stayed with me for quite a few years after that experience, I habituated to it eventually and I mean, I don't necessarily feel it now, but I know it's left a significant, profound imprint on me that I, I'm able to relate to when it flows back in. And it has over the years, for sure. It's flown in, it's flowed through me in and out multiple times. Yeah, man, the Louvre is a very interesting place. For those that have not gone, I would definitely recommend when you're there to play classical music, put on some headphones, maybe one headphone in one ear and the headphone for the audio guide and the other if you purchase the audio guide and listen it really brings out the artwork and you really begin to understand that that art is culture trapped in time right and that's how that's how I saw it when I was there and some of the most beautiful paintings are the frescoes on the wall uh, on the ceilings and when you understand how frescoes are made is basically they paint these things on dry on uh wet plaster which is apparently incredibly difficult especially if it's on a ceiling so the level of talent that these people have you begin to kind of understand why these art has been has like stayed such a popular topic over the centuries but it definitely invokes a certain i don't i don't even know what it would call like the uh, the thing that connects us all, what that may be for 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 those that maybe aren't so spiritual, 
But there's definitely something that connects us all throughout time and history where you can look at a painting like the Mona Lisa or maybe one of the other paintings in there and just feel deeply connected to it, even though it was painted hundreds of years ago. So I can definitely relate to that. I, I spent hours in the Louvre when I was there. And real quick, you just real yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but what you just said was really profound that that I think you articulated better than I could about my experience. Somehow yeah. I tapped into that energy. I think yeah. it was just by grace or whatever it may be. But luckily I was conscious enough. I was aware enough to know something was happening. And rather than ignore it, ignore it, great word. I let it flow. And that was uh-huh. a pivotal moment in my life. It changed everything for yeah. sure. It changed my life. And for people who haven't traveled, and I'm not talking about vacation. I, I'm happy when people travel, whether if it's you're going to Mexico or Dominican Republic just to shake your ass for a week, or if you really want to go someplace and have this cultural experience. But that's one thing that traveling does for people. There's sometimes I have a hard time explaining that to people who is like, I don't understand why you want to go to all these places. I mean, yeah, but, you know, that's part of the reason, especially part of that is when you're living at home in a society and you're going through your emotions and routines and sometimes when you're having um just a rough time we all go through it negative self-thinking or just you just become so infatuated with yourself the ego begins to take a hold take you know pulling yourself out of that and putting yourself in a completely different situation in a different part of the world can dissipate that within a day you you begin to realize like whoa like it's not just about me like there's there's millions of people if not billions of people living around the world and you you feel small at the same time but then you feel big like it's that moment of small like whoa it's not just me and then you feel big because you realize like man I'm a part of this like I'm 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 alive like I'm in this you know what I mean and and it's it's a very as you said profound feeling to feel when you feel that and I felt that many times as I mentioned to you in the previous podcast I was on traveling was spiritual for me because when I'm up in that plane or I'm climbing that mountain you feel a part of that and I start to realize like everything that created all these beautiful things I'm seeing also created me so I'm of the same statue of these beautiful paintings or this beautiful mountain or this beautiful sunset so yeah it's definitely a sensation that I, I feel like for people who are looking to get, expand their mind, you know, exposure is everything. Expose yourself to something different can definitely help bring about that, that, that oneness. And so, and, you know, I like how you also mentioned about athletes, which based on what you were speaking about in, in episode 10 was you tried to pursue afterwards, you know, you decide to take your life in your own, your hands, in your, in your own hands, take more responsibility in your life to create your own beautiful artwork if you will and it sounded like you tried to to do that through playing become a professional soccer player and it you know it sounds like it didn't quite work out the way that you wanted but what kind of lessons do you feel like you learned from that experience that's um been coming up a lot for me recently so very great question intuitive I have looked back on that moment in time where I decided I was going to take full responsibility for my life and pursue 
the path of becoming a professional athlete, soccer player. And that played itself out, as you mentioned, in a way that I didn't succeed in the way I'd hoped, but I'd made it, I made it a, a long way. You know, I got myself to Europe, tried out for a few teams, didn't work out. And over the last, you know, since 2015, I've been really pushing for this online entrepreneurship, as we said earlier on the episode, and as the audience knows, this is part of the premise of the podcast. I'd love to achieve that goal of becoming an online entrepreneur, a digital nomad with a cash flow that allows me the freedom to move freely around the world. And for what is it now, seven years I've been trying and, and not succeeding and looking deep within myself and asking why. What is it about what I've been doing that's not enabling me to achieve my goal? Uh-huh. And it's come to my attention a few times that maybe I'm not taking full responsibility for it. Maybe I am coasting, if you will, in a certain way. I'm staying too, too close to my comfort zone and not pushing myself hard enough. And I haven't necessarily come up with the right answer that I'm comfortable with that I can even share now. I'm just kind of even brainstorming as we go through this. Like maybe I'm not taking full responsibility for my financial situation. Like I did when I turned 17, I took full responsibility for where I was in life at that point. Maybe I'm not taking full responsibility for that dream and, and giving myself wholeheartedly 100% without leaving one foot in the comfort zone and diving you know, head first in the deep end. You know, I look at what I've done and I feel like I have pushed it to a level that a lot of people would not feel comfortable pushing it towards. And I'm still here pushing, but I've, I'm circling around that beautiful question you just asked, like, how did that experience change you? And it changed me in a way like I ask myself all the time, am I taking full responsibility for the things that I want in my life? And I think the answer is probably no, I'm not, which is why I haven't succeeded in the way I wanted to over the last seven years. But I can't find that missing piece of the puzzle to complete it. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know where it is in me because it's definitely not outside of me. Uh-huh. You know, where I think myself and many people look for it, whether it's through uh-huh. a relationship. For me, for example, one thing that I'll share with you and all the guests that I've fantasized about for years, and it wasn't until recently that, or within the last, you know, five years that I realized this was a perpetual thought, a fantasy that I had of somebody seeing something in me, my true potential, that they would then take me by the hand and show Uh me the path. And I thought by taking the first step and say, creating misfits and rejects, somebody might see the same beauty that I did in all of the individuals like yourself that I've encountered mm-hmm. thus far and say, you know what, Chapin, you see something unique in these people and I'm going to help you develop it and show it to the world. This mm-hmm. was a story that's played out unconsciously in my mind for years. And I didn't really realize how that's probably not been the healthiest if we want mm-hmm. to be real about taking full responsibility for what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know, it's got to be coming from me wholeheartedly. I mean, sure. Yes. Uh In order to achieve anything in life, people would need to be there to help lift you up and take you to where you want to go. But ultimately you have to work your ass off and sacrifice everything and hopefully shine brightly enough that people are drawn to you to help lift you up. 
And, you know, thank you to all those individuals out here. If you're listening right now, Sarah, for the last two months, she gave me of helping me pitch my podcast to different, you know, production companies around America. You're an angel for taking the time. And I feel like in some ways I failed you, but I'm going to keep striving, you know, and thank you to, you know, all the other individuals out there who have stepped up, who some people I didn't even know who've Uh contacted me said like, what you're doing is dope. Like, let me help. And like, I feel like I'm the weak link in those moments that I haven't, I haven't been strong enough to get us to where we need to go. And I'm, I'm really like meditating on that right now. So that's a great question, dude. Take, I need to take better responsibility, more responsibility for this. Yeah, man. I mean, you said a few very interesting things and I really appreciate you for being that transparent and how you're feeling about this creation that you created, because this is what we need. Because when you go on Instagram or YouTube and you listen to these business moguls or podcast gurus, you see this success, but you don't see the feet like like for the analogy would be like a duck. You know, when you see a duck, you see it gracefully gliding across the water, but you don't see its feet paddling underneath and hitting all the seaweeds and all these other things. And I think it creates this false perception to people like. And you may be kind of, it sounds like you might be kind of feeling that yourself, where it's like, man, things should be working. You know what I mean? Like these other people make it look easy. And and that's why I try to be authentic. I want people to know, like, even though I'm a coach, I want people to know that there are parts of my life that I don't have in order either. That's everybody. And, I've, and as I've met world-renowned coaches and speakers, and I talk to them, there's areas of their life as well, that they still feel like they could take more responsibility in fixing. And I think that's part of human nature and human development. There's always pieces of you that you have to work on. And if there's anything that I, I, you know, could think about is that, you know, this idea of success and failure. And I'm starting to feel like, man, it's just all relative. Is there really a such thing as failure or feedback? You know what I'm saying? Trying to taking that kind of step. And I'm pretty sure for a lot of your people that you've had on your podcast, they probably can't articulate it that way. But in building a lifestyle such as the ones that that you tried to focus on in your podcast, having those failures gives them that feedback. You know what I'm saying? And there's something that you said that I agree with that I felt, too, where somebody would see something in me. And take me under their wing and take me to that next level. And part of my own realization that I've been having in the past six months of living on my own and reintegrating and trying to build my own dreams is that really nobody's nobody's coming. You know what I mean? You got to take responsibility for your own, um, for what you want. And, and, And the moment you do that, other people see you taking it as something that's a priority and then they make it a priority as well too to help you. And I mentioned that on, on the podcast before, you know, if you want to go fast, you go alone, but if you want to go far, you need a team. And in terms of that, there's one thing that came to my mind is that I've been dealing with challenging myself as well too. And I think it's a part of manhood, right? Taking on a idea, a vision and making it into a reality you know what i'm saying and i think every 
men, also women also go through this too as well. Anybody with a dream goes through this. And it's just this idea of not wanting to put yourself out there completely because it may change. To, you don't want to mess up your own awesomeness when you realize like, man, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. And yes, I'm a fail, but that's not the end game. You know what I'm saying? And I think everybody that you've had on your podcast has experienced that because they're on their podcast, on your podcast, because they've reached a level of success in building this, this lifestyle. And so when you kind of think about that kind of those thoughts, I mean, what do you do to kind of break out of that? Do you have any methods? And if you haven't figured it out, that's perfectly okay too. But do you have anything to kind of break you out of that when those kind of thoughts like come up? I do. And they're not quick fixes based Mm -hmm. on just who I am and how things process in my brain. I can get very hyper-focused on the the story that's playing out over and over in my mind or the, 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 what do you call it? The mental movie making. Um, and it can be very negative for long periods of time. So taking the time to breathe, draw my attention to the present moment. I do it through focusing on something in my proximity and identifying the color, but just leaving it at that. So right now I'm sitting in a bedroom. There's a green plant Instead of identifying it as a green plant, I just look at it. I say green, and I kind of just zone out. I don't allow any more thoughts to come into my mind. And I try to sustain that state of presence for as long as possible. It's usually fractions of a second, especially when I'm in a hyper, like stressful state of mind. Like I'm obsessing over something that's happened that I feel was wrong or that I had no control over um that gives me you know milliseconds of um it gives me like a stillness a stillness it allows me to at least create a gap doing that repeatedly for multiple hours i eventually work myself out of it but that's in the most extreme situations it takes hours for me you know yeah waking up at two in the morning with just like these these hyper obsessive thoughts about my my money situation or a family situation that it's like really stressful. It's going to take me hours to work myself through that. It's just a day-to-day thing. And I catch myself thinking about, you know, some bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can bring that to the conscious moment, the present moment and, and work through that fairly quickly. Uh, but thus far, that's the only thing that's helped me alleviate that monkey mind, as they say in Eastern philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think that's good because all we all have bullshit that just overruns our mind. And I exercise helps too. Exercise. Oh, Go yeah. For a <laughs> yeah. Getting yourself out of your head and into your body is yes. definitely a, is definitely a good one. And for many people, one thing that I have come to realize in this past couple of months is that two 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 things piece of information. Is it OK if I share it with you? Please, by all means. Oh, one thing that I realized is that, you know, when they talk about like one of my favorite philosophers is Alan Watts, and he talks, uh, he has this uh, book called The Wisdom of Insecurities, dealing with the age of anxieties. 
And he talks about the, these neuroses, which is depression and anxiety, which everybody deals with on a, on a surface level. Um, of course, there are some people where it really runs amok in their life and, you know, they, they have to go to therapy and get medication. And But I think generally everybody has anxieties. Everybody has depressions and part of depressions are those negative self, those, those loops of the past. And then anxiety is those loops of what's to come in the future. And you get so caught up in those two kind of playing fields to where you forget that once you come back to reality, you realize that you have the power to change reality. Like once you come back to the now, you begin to realize like, oh shit, I can change my living situation. Or, oh, shit, I can change my financial situation. Or, oh, shit, I can change this, like, crappy, toxic relationship that I'm in. Instead of thinking maybe the anxiety of, if I, and just use an example, oh, if I leave this person, you know, what will happen to me in the future? Or the the other side, maybe the depression is like, oh, but we did have good times together. How will I ever find that in somebody else? You know, but once you come back to reality, you're like, man, I could change the situation. I could better screen who I date and so forth. Just use dating as an example. You could use that with anything. And the other thing is outside of realizing that once you come back to reality, that you can change it, is the other thing is that just because, and this is something that I've been realizing, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to suffer. You know what I mean? Because our mind... I was listening to a podcast uh, by David Bet, uh, David Bet Data. I forgot who he was interviewing, but he was talking about the mind and the brain, where the brain is like that animal, that reptilian brain, right? That just is moves off of feelings and, and instinct, which causes us to suffer because the mind is like, you should be doing X, Y, and Z, but your reptilian brain wants to do something else and then there's the suffer you know like uh, I think that's like one of the Buddha's four laws like suffering comes from desire and it's just because you're suffering doesn't mean you have to uh, just because you're struggling does not mean you have to suffer you know what I mean and when I kind of came to that conclusion it was it was very progressive in the idea of like okay just because my life right now isn't the way I want it to be doesn't mean I have to come home and wallow in my sorrows. You know what I mean? And I think once you kind of realize that, it it helps out a lot. And that comes down to the point of where you take responsibility. And, you know, to, to go on with your story about you going to the soccer and that not working out, that's when you took another responsibility of start the nomadic lifestyle. And that's when you started traveling Europe. And so... When you started traveling Europe, I mean, what was that like? What was going on when you when you started that? Um, let me just let me throw a question out to you so we can mm-hmm. come back to it. I'd love to hear what you do. Reverse oh. the question, like with with when you find yourself struggling and you find yourself creating suffering through the mental process that I described, or whatever your pro- how do you get out of it? That's a good question. That's also a good question because. My life has changed a lot since my mother has passed. You know what I mean? Some things that didn't that work before doesn't always work now. And one thing that traveling did for me was that it was very therapeutic. And now that I'm back home, 
I've been struggling to find that therapeutic, those therapeutic activities that helps me cope or deal with the stresses of life, which I recommend everybody to do. That's why everybody should have hobbies because we're going into this generational idea that we need to make money with our hobbies. That's not the case. You know, to have a hobby for the sake of having a hobby to where you can get into that flow state where you feel that urge of confidence because you're doing something very well and you can do it to a point where you don't have to consciously think about it and you can just relax and let your let that flow take over you. And so, I mean, to answer that question, some of the things that I've been trying to get back to, which always has helped, of course, meditation, breathing. I think meditation is a training thing. It helps you to gain control of your mind that when it starts to go out of whack, you can reel it back in and take a deep breath and like, I'm not in control of the situation that's causing my mind to go like this, but I'm in control of how I respond to it, which is a stoic idea, right? There's no good or bad. It's just it's a matter of how you respond to it, right? That's what meditation does to, does for me, ultimately, to help me to cope with the things that I go through. But another thing for me is music. I love. I, I just recently bought a Christmas gift. I bought a, a AV receiver. I hooked up a little seven point one surround sound so sometimes I just sit down and immerse myself in the music that takes me out of whatever I'm going through music has always done that for me gratitude walks that helps too when I walk I touch the I touch the leaves I feel I, I might pluck a leaf from a tree and rub it in between my fingers and just kind of bring myself back into my body the gym has always exercise has always been that but I've been an athlete for so long that the gym sometimes loses its edge and nowadays, everybody wants to be in the gym. So it's just it's sometimes it gets a little distracting, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so <laughs> I, try, I try to find alternative places to work out sometimes where I can just really be in, 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 in into myself. Um, and I recently also became a part of an African drumming uh, ensemble. Um, so I've been practicing with them for the past four months. I grew up and band. I was a percussionist. So it feels great. I feel like I'm getting back, not just to my cultural roots, but just to my roots of what I used to do as a kid. And outside of our voice, drums were the second instrument known to man. And it's very grounding. You know, when you're dancing to music, you're dancing to the bass, not the words. You know what I mean? So those are a few things that I do in a healthy note to get myself out of those. And, and I will also say, especially to men out there, going to therapy. I recently started going back to therapy and it has been a huge help uh, because guess what? You don't have all the answers. Sometimes you need to recruit somebody outside of yourself to tell you about yourself. And uh, you have to leave your ego at the door and going to therapy has definitely been a huge help for me. That's amazing. And congratulations on doing that. I've, I've recently started seeing very irregularly, but started, I've had a therapist since I was 15 and she's been amazing. I mean, she's changed my life in so many ways, but you know, I think with time and age, I, I needed to try something new and, and saw a new therapist recently who brought some very interesting points of view to the table that I really appreciated. So I can really relate to that. And I think, yes, like you said, the, the healthy nature in which you you choose to seek new avenues to get yourself out of your head are are beautiful and profound 
And with, with the breath thing, I've always it's it's funny how all cultures use the breath as a, a vehicle to help. Yeah, and that's interesting you say because that's part of this big old world that we live in. And here in the Western world, we're very verbal. You know, when you think about, I think religion and spirituality is ultimately to help you to cope with the harshness and suffering of being a human, right? Because we're conscious of our suffering. You know, if I pointed, um, I know for, for the dog lovers out there, they might get on, but if you, if you pointed a weapon at a, at a, at a dog, he wouldn't, the dog wouldn't know what was to come if I was to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you did that to a human, they, you know, we're conscious of our suffering. So with that comes suffering, you know what I mean? And I think that's what spirituality helps us to do. And in the Western world, we are very verbal. We, we you know, you go to church to listen to a sermon, to listen to preach, even the idea of these gurus from the East coming to America right in the 70s and 80s that started the hippie movement and and this and these things these guys were coming and they were preaching and teaching other methods of coping with life and and suffering but when you go to other parts of the world they don't talk that much they're about breathing you know what i'm saying and 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 tapping into something that i feel like here in the western world that we're still in the infancy stages and I think we're going to have to resort to that because as these plight, I mean, when you live it, when you travel and you see the amount of poverty that's in the world, the amount of suffering, I mean, I mean, I mean, what went on in Germany, what went on in parts of Russia, what, what's going on in places like Eritrea right now, you, you have these civil wars where people are dying, like human life is worth nothing. In some parts of the world, I hear stories about people crossing the border to get to America, what they're running from. And you and it's to, it makes me sit back and think like, man, how even if you're living on the lower spectrum of this economical structure in the United States, you are blessed compared to almost 90 percent of the world. And when I start to kind of realize that. It really makes me think to myself, like, man, what, what am I really stressing about? You know what I'm saying? Because all the places I went in the world, and, and to, give an, to give an example, recently when I was studying abroad back in 2016, when I was in college, I studied abroad in Peru. I joined this, um, this organization called Calle de Biblioteca, where every Friday we would meet and one of the poorest parts in Lima, Peru. We would pack these backpacks full of books and we would walk up this hill because up in these countries, the poor people live in the hills. Where in the United States, the rich people live in the hills. Because of course, over there, when it rains, they have these massive mudslides. So typically, richer people live closer to the city center because that's where all the opportunities are. Because public, not everybody has a car. So it's hard to get to the city center if you're poor because you live in the hills. And I remember we would walk up these hills and we would sing this song, Ya Yego La Biblioteca, which means like, here we come, the, the walking library. And these kids, 
I mean, they lived in shacks. They would run out of their house. Oh, oh they would be so happy. And my name's Leon. So they'd be like, Senor Leon. See, they, and they would just jump and they would embrace me. And part of the program was not just reading to these kids, but to expose them to the outside world in which they would probably never, ever meet. Right. And there was one kid individual that I just grew a certain relationship with. His name was Mark Marcus. He would basically he would always gravitate towards me. He had like this old spirit to him. I mean, this kid was maybe six years old. And when he came around, all the other kids just kind of knew it was just a, a me and him kind of thing. That's the connection we had. And I remember um, some of my last days doing that program before I was to have to fly back home was one day um, I walked him up further up the hill to where he lived. And I looked into his mom's, the house that he lived in, and it was literally like a three wall shack. And the, uh, the fourth wall was made out of like mud which only makes me wonder, like, when it rains, what kind of pain that is to live in a shack like that, and it was just a bit, I mean, it was just, I mean, some people talk about studio apartments being small, and you probably know that in California, because, you know, the cost of living is high over there, but, I mean, I, it, it was tiny, and there's four people living in the shack, and I remember holding him walking up this hill, and his mom, when I went up there, she started crying, because she was just so happy that I, I, I would take the time out of my life and my day to do these kind of things. And I say this story to say, like, there's no problem that you're going through that can't be beyond what you're seeing. Because, and I'm not saying to compare your life to these people who may not have all the luxuries in you, but you have, it's, it's a message of gratitude. You know what I'm saying? To come out of that mental loop to say like, man, things may not be the best for me, but as I mentioned, like you're struggling, but that doesn't mean that you have to suffer. You know what I'm saying? I do. So, and I love that. Yeah. You don't have to suffer if you're struggling. I mean, that really struck home to me. And, and gratitude is another great vehicle to coming to a place of peace. If you're capable of finding that within your life situation, I think um, it's useful. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard for me sometimes. I, I live a, a very privileged life to find gratitude, which, I, which then perpetuates more negativity because you're like, yeah. oh, man, like, why can't you be more grateful? You have such a great life, but yet you're you're sad or depressed about some bullshit, you know? But see, that's where it comes back to, is there a such thing as too much freedom? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, look at these first world problems. Look at mass shootings. Look at all these different things. Like, wh what's causing these sort of things? You know what I'm saying? And and that's when I begin to realize, and this has been my struggle. I work a commission-based job. I'm making more money than I've ever made at any point in my life. And I'm starting to realize that m my, making money to me isn't really a motivational factor. Because the reason I, I brought that story up about uh, this program that I was in in Peru was because recently this individual, this kid, he's now, I think he's around nine or 10 now, maybe even 11. Because this was about five years ago. He reached out to me on Facebook. And it kind of hit me where I realized it's not about me. And I think to anybody that's suffering from depression or anxiety, it's because you're so trapped in your own ego and what you want out of life and what you want to happen 
that you forget that it's not about you. That's why they, they say people who give more tend to be happier because you're not trapped in your own problems. You see what I'm saying? When you start giving more, and, and, and I'm saying this to also say that trying to take my own advice or my own point that I'm trying to give right now is now that I'm back home and I'm back the nine to five, the hustle, the rat race, I'm starting to realize that as I suffer with my own mental loops, I'm like, I some, I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, man, Leon, you need to take a step back and what can you do to give to somebody? You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't have to be money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Money does help. Money changes people's life situations. Money is important, but time and effort, like the time that I spent with that six-year-old kid the fact that he reached out to me five years later, let me know that that was worth much more than any kind of a monetary amount that I could give them. And here in the United States, where we're very money orientated, I think we're kind of forgetting that. And mm-hmm. we're starting to realize that money cannot solve everything. Mm-hmm. Let's give the audience some perspective as we move towards signing off on you know, what you're striving for right now in life? Me? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, at the time of this podcast, it is December 29th, 2021. So as we're going into a new year, I'm honestly at that point where I'm reassessing it. You know, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten more comfortable with telling people I don't know. Because I'm 28 now. I'm going, approaching my 30s, and lately my mind has been, what can I do to accumulate, what can I do in terms of accumulating all the information that I gained in my 20s, taking risks, traveling, doing, and how can I formulate that into something that can maximize my fulfillment for the next 20 years, and, and until my day comes, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I would say at this point, I have to reassess that because now that I'm back home, life isn't the same when I was traveling. So now I have to reassess, okay, what is that, which is ultimately, as we mentioned before, taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe ask me two weeks from now, I might have a better answer for you, but I would say reevaluating, which is okay in life. It's okay to take a second and reevaluate your direction which you're going to. And, and I want to, propose the same question to you before i answer can i just can you define fulfillment for you what does that mean uh fulfillment for me is basically fulfillment for me is a wholesomeness in terms of understanding as a human i'm multi-dimensional multi-dynamic and it's about balance really balance uh my class ring in high school has a yin yang symbol so even at a young age this idea of balance has always kind of stuck with me um so i say fulfillment for me is balance where i'm striving for personal growth and development and that also includes growing financially but also having the balance of making sure that um i'm stretching for that level of immortality where I'm sharing information with people, helping people, leaving things better than I left it, and just blending that too of 
you know, focusing on myself, but also helping other people. So I would say in playing, fulfillment to me is balance. Beautifully said. I'm striving for, similar to you, more personal growth, always, always, always striving for more personal growth. As I've said throughout many episodes, financial growth and stability has been huge on my plate since my mom passed, really wanting to participate financially in my loved one's lives who need financial help. Um, and the, what fulfillment means to me is the ability to tick all those boxes in a way that I feel satisfied with my achievements. Um, at this point in time, I am not satisfied with what I've accomplished within the financial arena. I'm unsatisfied with my living situation, even though it's great. And I don't mean to knock it because I love living with my family. That's not what I mean by that statement. It's my inability to, again, move freely from place to place to live in the environments I want to live. Mm -hmm. I'm always coming home for holidays, family, birthdays, whatever, you know, that's, that'll be, I will feel more fulfilled when I have that flexibility, I think. And finally, feeling that I am earning a living through something more meaningful than what I'm doing now, which doesn't necessarily have to be in the arena of saving the world, but something that I feel I'm being creative with like this podcast that is at least enabling somebody to feel inspired by, or at least it maybe puts a smile on somebody's face and gives them a bit of hope. I will feel more fulfilled if I am achieving those types of things in a more holistic way in my life. And just to kind of put, you know, a period on that, you know, in terms of the ultimate definition of fulfillment is that's manifesting one's full potential mm. through something that is, that is, yeah, that is meaningful. And so if I was to, if I was to challenge the both of us, okay, because we are two individuals that live with a high level of openness as probably many as your listeners do. And I would say the more specific you can get, in terms of what's that monetary amount you really need to live that lifestyle? What, 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 how many viewers do you need on your podcast or in my, or in my sake, you know, what kind of audience would I need to where I would feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm actually making a difference in people's lives. And I think that what I'm realizing for somebody who lives with a high level of openness, we're big on conceptual. Mm-hmm big ideas, what we want, the vision, the dream, and we get lost in that. You know what I'm saying? And having that specific target to say, okay, I want to be able to make $10,000 a month. That's how much I would need to live my lifestyle. And when I make that, I reassess, you know, and then you, 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 you break that down in terms of how do you get there? So to anybody to, you know, even myself, you, or to anybody listening, just getting focused. And that's what I've definitely been working on. So getting focused. <laughs> As have I, and I'm coming to a place where my focus needs to be more sustained for longer periods of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm very persistent as I think anybody who's followed me for the amount of time that I've been doing this, yeah. 
will know that I'm persistent, but I do struggle with focus in that I have trouble at times being creative in ways that are going to help me move forward. You know, I fixate on, on one problem or one solution to a perceived problem. And even if it doesn't work, I continue to try the same solution over and over and over again. For example, trying to email production companies and get somebody interested in my podcast, turning into a television show. Like that's not working, you know, at all. So instead of continuing that, well, I mean, maybe do it a little bit. Let's, let's pivot. Let's rethink this. Let's get creative. Think of creative new ways to get my idea in front of somebody who can maybe help me make it happen. So I like it. Refocus, stay creative, try to move forward. And uh, let's bring in this new year. Hey, I like that. And uh, yes, folks, please check out Leon on his YouTube channel, The Curious World of I. And uh, if you want to reach out to Leon, he is coaching. And you can find him at leonwhitecoaching.com. He's a man with many beautiful ideas and and can help you kind of sort through your own if you're confused about what to do next. So, Leon, thank you for your time, my friend. This has been a pleasure. And, you know, like we've done this now twice, I'm looking forward to a third session with you at some point. And we can maybe bring it back, um, bring you back on when maybe we have something to share with the audience that we're proud of, that we've maybe accomplished in the new year. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's for certain. And, 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 before we log off, I want to just leave. I always like to leave with a question. Please. Yeah. And this was a question that was recently asked to me, you know, whether if you believe in a higher power or not, you know, if you're asleep one night and your creator is standing at the edge of your bed and they were to ask you, you know, why should I wake you up this morning? What would your answer be? And you don't have to answer that. It's just it's just a question that I've been lately thinking about that has helped me try to refocus. So to those that are out there that are, I don't know when you release this podcast as they try to refocus, that's a question that I've been grappling with to help me get a little bit more focused. I think that's beautiful. Thank you, Leon. You are a beautiful, kind, genuine human being, and I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you too. Awesome, Leon. Thank you again for asking so many powerful questions. And really, I think, you know, midway through, we got to the to the root of it. What I need to do is take full responsibility for where I'm at in life. Everything I've done up until now has led me right here. So if I'm unsatisfied or unhappy with where I'm at in my journey, then I need to take responsibility for that, dig deeper, figure out where I'm missing the mark, really have that heart-to-heart conversation with myself, maybe with others who have seen me along this journey, make the necessary adjustments and move forward. So as I've been doing the last few episodes, I think, you know, to recap for anybody out there who is struggling, find themselves unsatisfied like myself with not having achieved what they thought they could have achieved by now, or not seeing the results they would have liked to in the efforts they have put forward into making a dream or a goal come true. I think the message from this episode is to take full responsibility for that. Own it. Go through maybe the ashes of what burned down in your past or in your current life situation or 
looking just deeper into yourself to find that thing that is holding you back or you're not doing to move forward. That's what I'm going to do in 2022. And let's see what happens over the year. I'll keep you guys updated. I think you all are so very beautiful. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate every single one of you. And please, by all means, feel free to reach out. Let's chat. I'd love to hear where you're at, where you want to go. You can always reach me at chapin at misfitsandrejects.com, and I'll get back to you. Have a great year, folks. See you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.